Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of the Aquascaping Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Art. Check us out, aquascapingpodcast.com. You can listen to all the episodes and interviews there, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you follow along with the show, you know that Sean was in Portugal last week as a part of the Scape Tour, and one stop along the way was at the Lisboa's Oceanarium in Portugal, which houses, of course, Florestas Submersas, which is directly translated into submerged forests, or otherwise known as forests underwater. It's the world's largest aquascape, of course, created by the late, great Takashi Amano. couple of statistics on Floresta Submersas. It was planned since 2013 by the director of the Oceanarium, Mr. Falcato, who was a fan of Amano, and he signed him to a contract to exhibit the first planted take in the Oceanarium. It's 40 meters long in a U-shape. It's 2.5 meters wide and 1.5 meters high, and it holds 160,000 liters of water. That's 42,267 gallons. The aquascape sits 70 centimeters above the ground, which is a perfect height for public viewing, and within it, it contains 78 branches of trees from Scotland and Malaysia. It holds 40 tropical fish species, 25 tons of volcanic rock from the Azores, 4,000 kilograms of sand, 8,000 kilograms of aquasoil Amazonia, 3,500 kilograms of ADA power sand special large, 2,500k of pumice, and 46 plant species. The lighting consists of 70 metal halide 800-watt lights that range in color temperature from 6,000k to 10,000k. And the whole thing is run by four massive mechanical and biological filters. And of course, it has injected CO2. In many ways, it's indescribable. There's just so much to take in. It communicates to us, to some extent on a primal level, you know, a connection with nature. And also on this more artistic level where we can look at it, evaluate it, and it elicits feelings, emotions, ideas. And so I think, you know, the exhibit did that and it did that for people who weren't just scapers. I mean, first of all, yeah, I mean, none of the videos, the pictures, even how people describe it really do it justice. As you walk into the exhibit, it's dark. There's a little picture of Amano, a short biography about him. And as you come around the corner, the way the display is set up and its design, you start to see what I would say is, you know, the aquascape begin to kind of plunge into, into the water there. There's lots of different ways to look at it. So at first you kind of take it in piece by piece, uh, panel by panel. And then there's also stepping back away from it and seeing as much of it at once as you can. And you can't see the whole thing at one time. I mean, you just, it's too big. 
uh, but you step back and and you take in the large picture and that's something else to view and to appreciate how it all works together and flows together that's the best i think i can do i kept saying to the other scapers that were there like you know imagine this was in his head at some point this was just a concept an idea you know how much of it was predicted how much of it is nature taking over cuz some to some extent when we scape or any scape is created there is this kind of uh, struggle between what we wanted to do and what the plants and the natural course of the scape wants to do and to find this balance between the two is kind of where nature aquarium nature scaping takes place and this aquascape was definitely kind of the um, personification of that idea when I stepped back and I looked at the whole thing I mean it looked like I, I felt like I was looking at a giant piece of art I felt like this could have been a painting easily a painter could have done this and instead of paints and brush strokes you have leaf sizes and colors and textures all interplaying together and at that macro view level you really get an appreciation for that and, and how the fish interact with it all that's another really cool part of it uh, i got to say the congo tetras in there were huge and they were stunning and they were beautiful in that display even you know talking to Felipe Oliveira at the Aquaflora event and he was talking about being there at the conception of the exhibit seeing it several times through its development and how even Amano may not have predicted that you'd see 5 foot tall hygropinetophyta stems cuz they're that big and here it is in this nature aquarium scape and display because of its just sheer size it's able to better reflect nature So, like I said, this nature aquarium, and many of us who are scapers think this, believe this, you know, works on a level beyond um, to just the aquarist or, or the, the scaper. I mean, this is something that we feel is a, an artwork. You know, there's a level of sadness, I guess you can say, because he's not here anymore, and you know, this creation that he made is still here. So in a sense, he's living on in a physical way. So there is like a level of sadness that's attached to this exhibit when you go and see it. Um, but what does that say about nature aquarium? Does, at like a real level, are we looking at it as something that, in, in the sense that he, the way that he created stuff, is that something that's in the past now? Or do you feel like, this kind of signifies that it'll continue in that style in the future. Wow, that's a, that's a lot. Uh, you know, I think we won't see it go anywhere. I don't think we'll see the uh, the essence of it change or leave us. I think we'll see different messengers. We'll see it maybe with what other people do with it. You know, and it doesn't matter what anybody ever does. I mean, no one is going to be the next Amano. And, and I don't think there should be a next Amano. Whoever it is and whoever those messengers are, they should be themselves. But the fact that 
the exhibit or nature aquarium or these things can elicit feelings it I mean it just shows that it's it's it is an art form and yeah there is i think a degree of sadness uh, or, or, or and i don't know if i would call it sadness it's just to me it, it's it's very poetic um i i felt like this was his great work this was his masterpiece and now it's in essence you know his swan song and it's something that speaks to all of us escapers and it also speaks to the world at large it, which is important and which is something he always tried to do and and nature aquarium wasn't just about making beautiful aquariums or even pieces of art for Romano, it was about making nature uh, something that people thought about and cared about. And the fact that it's the, the exhibit is there and doing that um, is a good thing. And I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, for me, I didn't. Some people got very emotional. Some people got teared up. I, I'm not that that type of a person. I just don't do that. Uh, but it doesn't mean it doesn't impact me. You know, uh, on some deep level, I I just. I just take it in differently, I suppose. Were there people there that you saw that maybe you knew that weren't aquascapers? Could you get a sense of what their take on uh, on, on viewing it was? That's a good question. I would say, yeah, there was there, a majority, I think, of the people moving through were just tourists or, you know, people who wanted to come see the Oceanario exhibit. And for, you know, for a long time, I mean, their big draw is their saltwater displays, which are, are aquarium. And this was something else to go see. And interestingly, you know, you could see either exhibit. You could buy tickets for one and not buy for the other. So, you know, they went to this with the intent of coming to see it. If they went in there, it wasn't just part of the package ticket deal. You had to say, you know, I want to see this exhibit. There were many that weren't from our group that stayed and stopped and watched for extended periods of time. That was another interesting point Felipe had in the development of the Forest Underwater exhibit was that there was a point he said he liked it best, and that was about six months, I think he said, after its setup, where the plants hadn't needed a lot of human intervention yet. They didn't require trimming, but they'd grown in full. And so the scape felt it was at its, you know, he felt it was at its most wild. And as time goes on, it's going to require more and more human intervention. And you're going to see, you're going to see the evidence of that human hand involved in the scape. And so they're planning on keeping it as long as they can keep it from what it sounds like. And I, I believe someone had mentioned that might be because there's a new owner of the exhibit or the Oceanario who's interested in doing that. It's, I mean, it's a, a lot of work to take care of. I'm sure it's expensive. I mean, there's two divers, I think, that go in there and, and do work every night. Uh, it, it'll be cool to see how long they can keep it up. I mean, I don't, I don't know how long um, a naturescape of any size can be maintained to this high quality, you know, if it can be done indefinitely. Right. And I wonder if, and I hope we do, uh, I wonder if we'll ever see something uh, along these lines and this size created somewhere else in the world. And if it is created, who is going to do that? And I wonder if it's anybody out there that we know of right now. You know, I, 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 I wrote this little sappy bit I was going to record, but like you said, it uh, probably doesn't play <laughs> well over the podcast. The exhibit is an entire experience. It's not just what you're seeing. It's what it's what you're hearing. It's what you're not seeing. You know, you don't. It's dark in there. You don't see anything outside of the aquarium. 
and the music plays so perfectly with Escape. You know, I think if you asked someone who had no idea about uh, the exhibit, you asked, okay, so which was created first? Was this aquarium, this aquascape created first and the music was made to accompany it? Or was the aquascape created to to go along with the music? Um, because they just play so well together. Um, it's it's something that, like I said, all together creates an experience. Right. And, you know, that's interesting that you do mention the music. You know, our sense of hearing is older than our sense of sight. So kind of like a primal level, you know, we really connect. It's just like in, in videos and in movies, uh, audio is actually more critical than than the visuals. So when you have something visual like an aquascape and you pair it up with music, it heightens the experience by by quite a bit. So I definitely would say, yeah, get some music, get some good music that works well with your aquascapes and make, you know, make your own experience of viewing what you create even better. Yeah, music, like you said, uh, you know, the auditory side, it helps elicit even memories or feelings better than than sights um and the only thing better at that than any of it is smells and that's because i don't get sciencey on you there but the uh the cranial nerve for our our sense of smell goes directly to memory centers it doesn't go through other associative cortex in our brains and so it's very strongly associated with memory that's why when you get a smell like just memories can flood you um and and sound more so again than than sight so right so get some good music get some find the perfume your ex-girlfriend used to wear spray it around the room (laughs) and just create a good experience (laughs) yeah i think you know and you've said this before and I, i think i've said it too i mean it feels like we're at this inflection point or that the hobby's reaching kind of a critical mass where it's really going to start to take off at a, a rate or a level we haven't seen before. Uh, and we're just waiting for that. And we're working towards it. I mean, it's not going to do it all by itself for sure. Um, but any one of us out there as hobbyists, escapers, can share it, can teach people, and and just kind of share, like I said, what that something we love to do um, with other people. And, and if you're passionate uh, about it and you enjoy it, other people are going to be as well if they have the opportunity. And more of those opportunities are are coming along. All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us here on the Aquascaping Podcast. Don't forget to check us out at aquascapingpodcast.com. You can listen to all the episodes and interviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Send in your comments and questions to aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. As always, have a good week, everybody, and we'll see you next time. And as we roll out here listening to the music that plays at Forest Underwater, I'd like to dedicate this episode to everybody who was on the Scape Tour. I'm sorry I missed you guys this time around. I'll catch you next time for sure. And also to Mr. Takashi Amano for everything that he's done for this wonderful hobby of ours and everything he's given to us and all the ways that he's inspired each one of us. Mm-hmm.